0: Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Burning Question series by Fantasy Football Scout. In this series, Pros and I, Sonaldo, will be reviewing the key topics, key hot topics for the week. We greatly appreciate your kind feedback last week and we're very excited moving forward. We have another packed agenda today, but first, welcome Pros.
1: Thank you very much, Sonaldo. Very excited to be back for our second episode. Looking forward to this um, with you and uh yeah, we've got a packed agenda, as you said, so we can get right into it. Um, we, I, i'll I'll quickly start with my game week review. We'll keep it to under twenty seconds. Uh, in short, it was a very good week for me, eighty four points uh, led by the the four premium defenders, Jota, Sala, and Tony coming up
0: uh, with with some points finally. Uh, how was your week? Fantastic. I I actually outscored you and had 88 points. So (laughs) uh, fantastic week for me as well. Huge green arrow moving up, uh, you know, almost 60k. um, So very, very happy with the result. And, um, you know, my key differential was uh, Ben Foster in goals. So I think that was the difference between us. Um, What an amazing assist that (laughs) was. Extremely lucky, but uh, for the viewers, today we have two hot topics. So the first involves a replacement for a player that has not only given us tremendous pain in his spelling and pronunciations, but on the pitch, he did everything from hitting the post multiple times, including this weekend. VAR ruled out goals, VAR ruled out assists, formation switches, everything except uh, you know scoring FPL points. And most of us have had enough of the two one zero two two 2 2 in the last five weeks. And it is, of course, Mbumo. Um, So that is our first topic, which Prost will cover. And then in the second topic, we're going to review new emerging strikers in a set of players in the forward line that have largely disappointed us this season. So Prost, without further ado, the floor is yours. Who is the best mid-price, around 6 million price bracket midfielder that we can aim to get? Thank you. So yeah, what I'll do is firstly,
1: the big picture point, which is why are we looking at mid, you know, the 6 million bracket? Why is that important? I think with people moving to a four at the back formation, then you add to that the Salah, Kane, Jota, Foden type people, which are if they're not important in terms of people, I mean Salah definitely is, but they're important in terms of price points. So what that leaves is is a few options for in the six million bracket. So even if people have Mbumu and want to keep him, there's still a second slot for a six million uh, million midfielder that people are looking for. So we thought why don't why not spend a little bit more time on this and give you our four best replacements. So we're going to be talking about Emil Smith-Rowe, somebody who's done really well early season. Connor Gallagher, he seems to be the favourite of, uh, you know, at least from last week, where a lot of people went for him. Maxwell Cornet, he keeps doing well. He keeps scoring goals. So we we'll look into him. And then uh, the, you know, the West Ham midfielder that's gone slightly under the radar in the sense that everyone's gone for Antonio. But Gerard Bowen has done really well as well. So we look at him. He's 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 almost at the high end of the bracket we're looking at but we'll come to that so we'll compare these players on stats fixtures roles in the team and we'll take a longer term view on a position where you don't want to generally be switching in and out of i mean these are not high ceiling positions so what you want is get somebody who you can keep through basically the next 10 15 game weeks so i'm going to start with gallagher he's 6.0 million 22% owned um so what you know what we like about him, he's very involved in the attack. He's making great runs into the box. He's playing for a Palace team that is revitalized under Patrick Vieira. A lot of his goals are coming when an attack is broken up and he comes in to add the extra man to make space for a shot or comes in with an assist. And, uh, you know, it's it's a very attacking team, as I said, you know, Eze is back. Mm-hmm. Um, he's close to match fitness. Edward is back in the fray. Benteke has looked good, and we've said that for the last six years without uh, you know any change in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they have talent in their attack, and what I wanted to do, Sonaldo, first is basically look at how are they set up because there's a lot of names. This is a new team; many people wouldn't be familiar with how Palace generally set up. Mm-hmm. So let's start with how do how do Palace look. Uh, Firstly, the back five. I know we're not talking about the back five, but in terms of just their formation, the back five of Guaita, Ward, Anderson, Gwehi, Mitchell, these guys are nailed and, you know, they're there to stay. In front of them, usually Vieira plays a 4-3-3. So there's three guys in in, in midfield. One of them is always Gallagher. One of them used to always be MacArthur, James MacArthur. And the third one used to be Koyate, Riedewald, Hughes, Eze, Milivojevic. It depends on on the team and the tactics. And then up front, you have Zaha on the left as the left attacker. Up top, you have Benteke or Edward. Sometimes Zaha can play up top. And then on the right forward, you have as Eze. Sometimes Edward plays there. Jordanyu played there over the weekend. So in terms of the mix, it's it's highly crowded up top. Mm-hmm. But you know, the general sentiment amongst Palace fans is that Gallagher is nailed. So, what are the cons? Why, why you know what we should think about about Gallagher? It's basically James McArthur, who's a you know a key player for them, has you know looked at being the facilitator in midfield. He's been injured, and he got injured last week. Vieira said it's 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 a few weeks or a couple of weeks, but Mark Uznam, uh, the athletic journalist, basically tweeted yesterday, and he thinks it's about six to eight weeks. Now that's a lot of time uh, in our game week. Um, you know from that perspective because in six to eight weeks we'll probably have 12 13 game weeks so we have to basically think of life absent James MacArthur Um, and so what we're going to try and do is look at some stats on what it means if James MacArthur isn't playing what does it mean for Gallagher but before I go there I wanted to get your input Sonaldo on what what do you think about Crystal Palace in general
0: Gallagher is he somebody you've looked at Uh, Certainly. I actually was trying to make a early move to him uh, because I was afraid of a price rise. And I had 0.4 to do the Mbumo to Gallagher move, which would have set up my team beautifully. And I remember waking up, uh, you know, because I'm located in South Korea and there was a price rise. So I'm priced out of it now. Um, So I need to, you know, figure out a way to make two transfers. But I don't want to let go of any of my other players. So uh, Connor Gallagher is someone I'm very interested in. And as you mentioned, uh, Pross, there's so many attacking options right now um sometimes the worry with this is where where the points are going to be spread out right so we have to kind of pick out who's the who's going to deliver the most points out of the bunch so um, hopefully you can kind of enlighten us on that
1: yeah so okay so let's go to this slide where i first compare the first five games that gallagher played and then to the game six to nine when milivojevic started so these are stats per 90. And yep. what you see here is basically there's a drastic drop in uh, in Gallagher's XG. So he's basically shooting a lot less. He's he's more withdrawn. And it's basically because Milivojevic is, is, is aging, right? I mean, he has to be b- basically more further down, helping with the defense when Milivojevic plays. Mm. What's worse is the XA is basically completely absent when he's there. Mm. Why is that? Because actually he's not even on set plays. A lot of the set plays are taken by Milivojevic. He's been a darling, I think two years ago, three years ago when he was taking penzaha Zaha was basically getting tripped and Milivojevic was scoring. So we already know that he's the guy who takes a lot of the set pieces. Mm. So does this mean we don't go for Gallagher at all? I don't think so, because reading from a lot of the Crystal Palace fans forums, you know, people don't like Milivojevic starting in that 11. Uh, you know, many Palace fans have suggested that Millie and Kuyate in the same team, like they went with in last week and it doesn't work. So something will have to change. Uh, Hughes is somebody who's actually been injured for a while but is coming back and they've suggested that he could be the guy, you know, he's obviously younger. He can can have more defensive duties. He's somebody who can basically come in and and take away not only the defensive duty away from Gallagher, but also, you know, he can come back on set pieces. Another variant of this is you could have Eze coming back. So you have Koyate, Gallagher and Eze starting. Now that's super ultra attacking because then you have the three forwards, Eze and Gallagher, that's actually not great for Gallagher because Eze will be the number 10 Mm -hmm. and then, you know, you won't have Gallagher going up top. So having said all of that, in the last game, this was the case, Milivojevic started, Gallagher created two big chances, he got an assist. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to come to summary on who we recommend in the end when we compare all our four guys together. But I think with this one, it's more a case of getting, he'll tick along, he's playing for an attacking team. I will come to my recommendation when we talk about the other players as well. Awesome.
0: Anything else to add on, on Gallagher before I move on? No, I I want to note, point out that when Milivic is playing, you can kind of see like, whether he's playing or not, actually, you can see Gallagher kind of wanting to make those bursting runs, but, you know, it, it exposes him behind, right? So at times you can kind of catch him not make those runs. So I'm very interested in if that's an order by Vieira himself. So yeah, I did notice that.
1: Yeah. As I said, with the six to eight week injury, something's going to change. Mm-hmm. Some formation cha- is going to change. So actually, in a way, maybe a blessing in disguise for you that you were able to wait a week. We see another lineup. How are they looking without uh, James MacArthur? And uh, then then take it from there. But uh, moving on to the next one. So that's Smithrow. Now, look, there's not a lot to say. We've been talking about Smithrow since early season. The guy has looked Fantastic. You know, Mm -hmm. Jamie Carragher called him the best player in the Premier League running with the ball. Um, (laughs) He's more nailed than ever before. And I say that because he used to earlier rotate with Pepe. We weren't sure how Odegaard fits into the team, but he's basically made that left forward position his own. He's 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 doing well. He's high on confidence. Um, So, you know, he's we know about him. We know what he's been doing. My issue with him is he's actually been a little bit lucky with the returns and of course uh, a lot of fpl is luck but when you're making a decision to get him in now if you have him you keep him he's he's a good option for the long term but if you're making making that pick now you you know you want to be a little bit cautious so i i've presented in the in the next table basically i've not i've not put names down here but (laughs) basically esr is the guy on the left there's a guy on the right who's very similar in price who plays in midfield and look at this i mean he's got almost twice the XG as smith row he's got you know 1.4 of xa compared to one for and this is for the whole season by the way and 44 minutes per attempt esr is on 61. who is this guy can you take a guess Ronaldo? i uh, gonna say his teammate Saka. Of course it is. And I didn't show <laughs> the heat maps. Heat maps are better as well. So at this point, a lot of the viewers who own Saka and not ESR are going to be annoyed. Uh, and they will, of course, bemoan luck. And that's absolutely correct. I mean, Sas- Saka has been great. He's only 6.4 himself, by the way. Um, but the fact of the matter is that a lot of ESR's returns have come. Um, you know, even though he's been not as good an asset as Saka, he's got four goals. Saka has got just the one um so my 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 issue with esr is is even the best option at arsenal so if you're if you're considering that look at that before we uh, before you make a decision of course he's 0.2 cheaper Mm -hmm. uh no actually 0.4 Saka is 6.3 and smithrew is 5.9 so 0.4 may be decent enough for you to take that saving but I would say
0: he, he has had lady luck on his side for all these returns that you've got. I, I will Go say down. this, Pros, about, about the luck issue, um, because I know exactly what you're talking about. His goals, you know, the ball kind of fell into place and he was there to finish. By the way, ESR has a cannon of a shot, um, but... Uh, when Arteta kind of switched to the 4-2-2-2, um, it really caters towards those central, uh, you know, central midfielders, right? And it's given him the the freedom and the, you know, positional like prowess, I guess. And I think that yes, it's lucky, but he's gonna continue to be in those dangerous spaces and in those dangerous half spaces where again the ball might fall to him and he just needs to get one or two uh, good chances the game to get those scores in. So With that being said, by looking at this graph process, I have a quick question. Does this mean that ESR is overperforming? Or uh, would you not read too much into uh, under and overperforming?
1: I I definitely would read into too much overperforming. And uh, what we'll do is, at the end, when we compare all four four players, I've got a graph, actually, which shows XGI Uh, overperformance. So it's a very interesting question. Uh, I'll hold the answer on that uh, when we get there. Okay Right, so next one, Uh, Corne. Now, he's basically the guy, um, I tweeted this on the weekend, he's the guy who everyone thought Mbumo would be because he's a midfielder, playing up top, uh, around that price range, new signing, uh, well, Mbumo isn't a new signing, but basically an exciting player in the team that is out of position. He's scored five goals in the last six games he's played. He's only 1.8% owned and available at 6.1. So, you know, what do we know about him and why aren't we going for him? So, you know, look, he's uh, he's such a non-Burnley player, by the way. I mean, before, yeah, before yeah. I get into stats, he's like 5 foot 10 inch in a team with giants <laughs> who basically like to put the ball in the box, head them in, uh, you know, the Chris Wood, Barnes, uh, Vidra, but he's like a jack in the box. He's the guy who's basically going after when the ball is comes up to a volley. I mean, we saw the goal that he scored this weekend. He's basically that guy who's scoring volleys and, you know, screamers from out of the box. Mm. So, you know, he, there's a lot to like about him. He's almost like a Sen maximin or a Traore or, you know, basically with some end product. Mm. But, you know, in this section, before we get to comparing his numbers with the others, what I wanted to do is I personally have a bias against, you know, how can I get a Burnley attacker, right? I mean, Burnley has been... <laughs> The defensive team that basically has zero or two, up max two shots in the game. So how can you go for a Burnley player and a Burnley attacker in a world where you can get Smith Rowe or Gallagher or, you know, Bowen? So I did. So there's, a, there's this chart that I, uh, that I found that compares Burnley in 2021 to the Burnley in 2018-2019. And I compare that side because that was the Golden Pope era. Uh, you know, the, the couple of years when Pope was the guy, he was getting a lot of saves. He was the, you know, basically the Martinez of that of that season. Um, so what you see in this is a a very big change in terms of how Burnley is playing. And that actually surprised me. I mean, from the eye test, I don't watch enough Burnley games. I'm going to be honest here. I don't know if, how many viewers do that. <laughs> but uh, it surprised me that they are having more goal attempts, uh, a lot more, you know, their minutes per chance is 20% percent better than before. And they're also conceding more. So the conceding more, I think we all recognize that because we all, you know, it used to be template to go for a Burnley defender as your fourth or fifth defender. You couldn't go wrong. It used, it could be Charlie Taylor, Loughton, Ben Mee. You, so these are guys very reliable, but that we've gone off that. So subconsciously, we do recognize that Burnley isn't the same defensive outfit. They've had change of ownership probably Sean Daesh has said, look, I'm happy to sacrifice a goal for a little bit more attacking flair. Now, he's still a pragmatic manager. I'm not saying they've suddenly become Crystal Palace, but I found this interesting to see that there's actually a stark difference in how they performed back in uh, 2019, 2018 versus what they're doing this season. And probably if I had done this for last season, it would be somewhat similar. Mm -hmm. But in a nutshell what i want to say when people are considering corne is don't think of him as a burnley player think of him as an attacking player in a semi attacking team mm. um, and and that's basically a mindset thing uh, and we'll come to his numbers when we compare all the fl- four players together
0: anything on corne before i move
1: on sonaldo
0: no i think you summed it up perfectly I, 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 yeah. the common narrative is burnley's a very defensive team but this season we've seen different and i like your description of um, Cornet being such a different type of Burnley uh, player. So that was very nicely put there. And yeah, let's move on to the next guy. All right. So the next one is Bowen,
1: Um, 6.4, 3.1% owned. And, you know, with him, he's like a guy who's, at least for me, he's gone completely under the radar, whether that's under the radar, because we already have the guy, an attacker, you don't want to double up in attack. You know, West Ham had semi-difficult fixtures and now have very difficult fixtures in the next three. So it wasn't somebody I, I I considered at all. But he's got eight returns since game week five. He looks like the creative force. Mm. West Ham have looked to do well. I mean, they beat Liverpool. Um, you know, they, they are a team that are doing well, and you, everyone expects them to be in the top six, eight teams and reasonably attacking. So why not? I mean, in a lot of this... A lot of people think eggs, you know, too many eggs in one basket. Do I want Antonio and Bowen? But now we're presented with an opportunity of either Bowen and Antonio. So a lot of people have sold Antonio and we'll come to that in your section. Mm. So I think Bowen becomes very interesting because people will want somebody from West Ham going forward from game week 15 onwards after they've played Chelsea and Man City. And he could be an interesting one, both for people who want to double up or for people who want to replace Antonio uh, and have some West Ham coverage. So. What I wanted to do here in terms of a table is just make this point exactly, which is if you look at the expected data for Bowen on the left, for Antonio on the right, and this is basically all games since game week five, game week five because that's the time when Antonio missed one game. So in all these games, Bowen has an XG of 2.5 versus Antonio 1.76. He has an XA of 0.8 compared to Antonio with 0.63. So in all, the XGI is over 3, 3.3 for Bowen compared to 2.4 for Antonio. Now, I have to say Antonio's XGI is is pretty good as well. It's not bad at all, (laughs) but he set the standards in the first few games that he's just not met. And regardless if you think Antonio is good enough or not, I would really think Bowen is somebody who's worth our consideration because out of West Ham, Burnley, Crystal Palace and Arsenal, I think... West Ham and Arsenal are expected to finish the higher. Now, Crystal Palace fans I know are very excited and, and you know, they're, they're, they're very optimistic about the season. But I would still say, I think West Ham and Arsenal would be above them. Mm-hmm. So you're basically getting a more longer term, you, you know, reliance on somebody who, you know, will play for a team that will continue to do well, score goals. So, yeah, I like Bowen a lot. And mm-hmm. I'll come to my recommendation when we compare them side by side. So why don't we do that now? Uh, now that we've talked about one key aspect about each uh, all four of these guys so let's compare them all together so first let's do it on fixtures Mm -hmm. um we've got the fixture ticker up and you see the reason i've uh, suggested we go right um, until game week 23 is because that's the that's the winter break so what you want is now it's we're coming into a very busy period with games thick and fast you want to have some guy who you can kind of rely on through this period and all these guys are reasonably nailed so i i don't this wasn't even a discussion on who's not nailed but you want to hold them for a period where their fixtures are good so burnley is actually top of the ticker in in in, in the next 10 11 game weeks um if you if you look at it from this lens arsenal are third crystal palace are fifth and where am i seeing west ham west ham are somewhere in the middle mm-hmm. actually in the bottom half but if you but with West Ham i would say once you move past man City and Chelsea in the next three they would also be very very good options in terms of you know high up in the fixture ticker for sure so anything that stands out in terms of the fixtures for for these guys that that you're looking at sonaldo
0: uh, no I think you put it perfectly um i am very interested in Bowen I'm very interested in the West Ham assets because I'm again I'm looking long term and this fixture ticker can be deceiving because it's including 13 14 and 15. Um, so I, I i like the idea of bowen replacing because one thing about antonio is that people don't realize as, as a seller myself it may be difficult to get hop on back onto antonio which is something that people probably don't think about which is why in many ways i recommend holding onto him if you're already kept onto him but um, i'm very interested in bowen as well as um there i say it ben johnson um, but that's for another day go ahead
1: Right. Yeah, we'll do a we'll do a thirty-minute stream on Ben Johnson next week. <laughs> uh, okay. Let's 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 look at the data. So, I mean, in terms of fixtures, what I wanted to point out before we go on is that these are guys who you want to get. Burnley great fixtures, Arsenal great fixtures, Palace great fixtures in the long term. So, mm. this is the reason why we picked these guys and you know avoid. You know, and by the way, you see Leeds at the bottom here. Mm-hmm. You see Aston Villa at the bottom here. Wolves at the bottom. So, they there may be options from there. You know, but we wanted to focus more on the guys who we think you can get now or in a couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. So the next page is the attacking data. And we've highlighted here, this is attacking data for the last four game weeks, not expected uh, what they've done. And look, Cornet is, you know, uh, tied with Salah for four goals in the last four game weeks. Uh, But here's the catch. He's got essentially five attempts on goal from five attempts he scored four goals he's got eight penalty box touches of, you know one one two of his goals have been outside the box but he's basically in the last four game weeks touched the ball in the penalty box eight times now for me that is exceptional overperformance. <laughs> now of course this happened last year with jesse lingard it happened for a very brief time with um james justin i think where he kept scoring where his xgi wasn't as high this so year, so Huang as well. It can happen.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You see, yeah, Huang as well in yep, the first yep. couple of game weeks. Yep, you're right. So, it look, it can happen. But what I'm trying to say is th- there'll be a table we'll talk about next, which is the XGI um, overperformance. Cornea is going to be top. And that's my issue when I compare him. The next one is Smithrow. Smithrow scored three goals in the last four game weeks: one, two inside the box, one outside the box. But again, five, five goal attempts. So in the five attempts, he's got three goals. Mm. He's got, in in terms of touches in the box, three. And by the way, for context, for those who are listening, Salah has 41. Mm. Yeah, it's not the same bracket, but these are, you know, you still want your guy to be in the box touching the ball. Yes, he scored three goals, but we should also look at these factors when we consider players who we want to bring in long term. Because as I said with Smith-Rowe, you might have been, you know, you might have had the rub of the green with these three goals. Will he get three goals in the next six pen touches? No, not really. Pras, pen quick question
0: touches. here. Uh, how yeah. important do you value penalty area touches for a midfielder?
1: Uh, it's basically a, a proxy for heat maps for me. Okay. So, yeah, I know that you know XGI will cover everything. XGI takes into account if you're making excellent shots from outside the penalty box, then you can have zero pen box touches and 10 goals in the season. That's fine. Understood. Because the XGI will then look at that. But I would say if you're looking at people with the same, in, in the same price bracket who have similar roles in the team, I mean, Cornet is a striker. If you had eight touches in the box in four games, not so good. So I, I like to look at it as a more soft factor okay. um, to, to basically, uh, as I said, proxy the heat map. Um, then you have Gallagher. Gallagher has had eight pen box touches. It's a little better. Two goals and six attempts on goal. He's got uh, minutes per chance of 57, compa- so it's the bet. It's better than Smithrow and Cornet. and you know he's basically somebody. He's got, uh, I think I mentioned 11 pen box touches. So he's somebody who basically will uh, gives the impression that will tick along. He's he's somewhat more involved in the attack, but it also tells you that Crystal Palace as a team is is more attacking. Mm-hmm. And then you come to Bowen. Uh, Bowen's got 23 pen box touches. So basically, almost four times Smith-Rowe, three times Cornet, double of Gallagher. He's only got one goal, uh, which was inside the box. Uh, he's basically got total 12 attempts on goal, which is more than double of anyone of Gallagher, Cornet, or, or Smith-Rowe. And essentially, he's, he's, he's creating the minutes per chance is half of any anyone else, which is half of Gallagher. So he's, he's got 27.8 minutes per chance. Hmm. If you, so now if you go to the next slide, which is looking at the XGI, mm-hmm. and I, this is also the last four game weeks, but this is now sorted by XGI. So the the XGI is, you know, for me, the, the main metric, you don't need to look at pen box touches or shots in the box. All of that is captured in the XGI, which is your you know, percentage of goal creation chance and the assist chance. So there's some interesting names here. And this is XGI, by the way, for everyone under 6.5. Very interesting names in here, which is Trossard is number one at mm-hmm. about two and a half. Uh, Saka is number two. So that's the giveaway for the ESR comparison. And uh, Bowen is number three. You have Fornals as well, who's, who's uh, 1.6 of XGI compared to Bowen 2.2, which is why I thought if you're comparing two, Bowen is the guy to go for if you're going for a West Ham midfielder. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have SAR, then you have Gallagher at 1.3. Cornet is 0.68, Smithrow 0.72. And Mbumo is, by the way, at the bottom of this at 0.62. Mm. So in a nutshell, what we're trying to say is, you know, go for the guy who's showing the underlying statistics that that mean you can predict their returns in the future the most. Mm-hmm. And what is interesting, the column next to the XGI is basically the delta. So this is everything that I was talking about on the table. Cornet has an XGI Delta of 3.3. That means he scored or assisted 3.3 more time or 3.3 more events than the XGI suggests. So basically the, you know, the four goal involvements should more likely have been 0. 0.7. That's what it's trying to say. The second more highest XGI Delta, Smith row with 3.3. Um, and again, you know, Gallagher is somebody who's we talked about should take along, but his XGI Delta is very high as well. It's 2.6. Now, it's not a bad thing, by the way, to have a high delta, because when you score a goal, a goal is one, and an XG for a goal will never be one. So you'll always have overperformance for players who've done well in the past. But you want to see how much, right? I mean, Saka has been unlucky. Like I said, he's basically underperforming his XGI um, by 1.3. So again, here for me, Bowen comes out on top. He's slightly overperforming. He's got about 0. 0.8 of xG um, XGI overperformance. But he's basically meeting his good stats. He's performing when the fixtures turn. And I would say even potentially after this Chelsea game, um, he is somebody who you can look at um, as as an option.
0: Nice, nice. I, I will say this one thing about Bowen is um, they played an amazing game against Liverpool. So I think uh, partially his stats may be heavily influenced by that game. But regardless, uh, over four or five game weeks, he's shown very, very good signs. And, and West Ham looked really good this year, you know. Possibly, yeah. uh, I don't know about top four, but, you know, top six, Europa League, challenging, challenging team for sure. Mm. for
1: sure. For sure, for yeah. sure. So in su- in summary, uh, Sonaldo, I would say, look, Bowen is the best of the bunch if you have the extra 0.5. Um, I already m- talked about the flexibility he'll give you to either have a, you know, an asset in addition to Antonio or instead mm-hmm. of. Mm-hmm. Um, Gallagher for me would be the second, but for me, the 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 James MacArthur injury has slightly Tainted it to the extent that don't expect big things. He should tick along, mm-hmm. but he he could frustrate if he moves into a more defensive role with Eze starting in the three or if Milivojevic continues to play. Both of them, as I said, are unlikely. They will find a solution, but he could he could frustrate. ESR is a close third. Uh, keep him if you have him. If you're going for somebody new, uh, maybe not the top of my list. And Corne, unfortunately again uh, is is the last in this list not against anyone who goes for it but but know this that you're going for a punt um i you know in the if he gets in the next four games another eight penalty box touches don't expect four more goals mm. uh, there were two two three other names that came up in that table so Trossard i didn't include here mm-hmm. simply because brighton have looked to be struggling for goals so it wasn't something that i potentially wanted to go to and this is when he's been playing as the false nine uh, Rafinha I think I don't need to spend any time on. If you have him, you keep him. He's fit. Bamford is fit. So he's obviously a great option. If Even if you're looking for somebody uh, and you want to go up to Rafinha, that's absolutely fine. The issue with Rafinha is you look at the fixtures after three game weeks and it's a sea of red. You have, they have Chelsea, Man City, Arsenal, Liverpool. Mm. So that's the issue. And then finally, um, you know, you should also consider as you're looking at this bracket, to shift formation a lot of people are looking at if if they have 6.5 in midfield and a 4.5 million defender you can swap that and you can have another 4.5 million uh, defender sorry midfielder and get a 6.5 million defender hmm. uh, so that basically changes a bit of formation and you can go into a so you don't have to have two six million midfielders so that's basically what we wanted to cover here
0: No, fantastic um very in debt, and I'm sure the the viewers will really enjoy listening to this your segment. And I appreciate the the amount of time you put into it. And so, Definitely. you guys, you hear you heard it here first. Pross recommends Bowen as his choice in the midfield um, from the data presented previously. So we'll move on to the striker section. Yep. Okay. Um, so this section is a little bit different from uh, how pros presented is because we have more you know historic not historical but data to back up um, those assets. Whereas right now what we're seeing is you know there's tremendous value in the defense and and the midfield and especially in the wing backs. You know everybody should move towards getting the new template in you know James Cancelo, um, Trent Jota and Chilwell although he's he just got injured. Um, so that should be a priority. Uh, would you would you agree, pros? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll we'll spend some time on uh, on on Chilwell, but yeah, I agree. The structure is exactly how you said it. Yeah. So um, this is a little bit more of a you know interesting emerging fun section, and uh, so in terms of the forward line, it, it's been a, a difficult season for FPL forward line. Um, pretty much all the effective um, you know high ownership players: Ronaldo, Vardy, Antonio, Tony, Kane have. Really failed to deliver, uh, especially at their price points. Um, and a quick word on Vardy. I, I know a lot of people <laughs> held on to him right now, and it's been a painful journey. Um, you know, Lester, a little bit of a liability right now, but Pros, what would you do as a Vardy owner moving forward? I would keep him. I mean, if you've gone through the
1: turmoil of the last few weeks and if you smartly held on to him or benched him last week, then uh, yeah, now is the time to keep him. I mean, Watford for sure. After that, reassess. I mean, there's a lot of options coming up in the premium uh, forward bracket if Kane is looking good, if Lukaku is back, if Mm. Ronaldo gets a new manager bounce, uh, if there is a new
0: manager. But uh, I think especially for this week, definitely keep him. Mm. Awesome. So with that being said, I I know this segment is more kind of dedicated to, I guess, those Antonio owners in many ways, because a lot of people are confused on what to do with him. I guess the uh, the pragmatic approach would be to keep him and, you know, wait for those fixture turns in game week 16. Um, but uh, with that saying being said, a lot of managers may benefit from transferring him out now because it creates funds to, uh, you know, invest in elsewhere in your team. Right. Um, so um, there are some other emerging options that um, that may be able to help you create some funds. Um, so as an Antonio owner, uh, Pros, what are your plans uh, moving forward? Look, I, I
1: I did seriously really contemplate taking him out, uh, you know, because there's a couple of reasons people are hesitant to do it. Number one, uh, there's value tied up in him, which I think is a is not a great argument. I mean, you, there's only about point three. I think if you got him at the beginning of the season, that's not a lot. I mean, in a, in a season where you have so much value with defenders, only one premium, we shouldn't be going after point three. If you really think somebody can come in and and, uh, and do better. And the second argument people have is there's nobody else, right? I mean, who's really delivering? If you went without Antonio, who was the one who really delivered for you in the last few weeks? Not many, right? Exactly. Uh, people went uh, People went Vardy, some went Tony. So nothing has really worked out. And so I think one of the things that you're going to try and do is um, open up the
0: space to some new emerging options. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a, a very common approach I'm seeing is to do Antonio to Tony as well. but. Let's be real, Tony's been very frustrating as an owner myself, um, so I'm not going to talk about Tony, um, and by the way, to kind of speak on the points we made last week about new manager bounce, none of the new managers lost this week, which is, uh, uh, you know, a sign that new manager bound really does exist, and uh, again, we last week we talked about how new manager bounce affects five games, so that should be very exciting. Um, So today, again, I'm going to try to decipher these new uh, emerging assets uh, mainly through the eye test. And uh, since the sample size is so small, we have to note that there's a change in landscape in the Premier League right now. Um, So it'll be very interesting to see what they're playing, how they're playing, their positioning, new roles, and we'll carefully look at their fixtures. Um, So the first guy I want to get to is none other than Mr. uh, Callum Wilson. So here we have the kind of Newcastle lineup. And this is how they set up um, this weekend. I thought they were very, very attacking. So the viewers need to kind of understand that uh, the Newcastle options are emerging right now because of Eddie Howe's attacking style of play. And this was seen as seeing Willock starting over Hayden, uh, which is a much more attacking kind of lineup. Naturally, I would say Wilson is the best pick of them all, talisman on pens, unlucky not to score in both games versus Brighton and Brentford. Um, He created a lot of chances in the game, most shots in the box, um, five of all players in game week 12, really attacking. And I know ASM got the points, but Wilson uh, was in the right positions. Here's a couple caveats to why Wilson may be dangerous and a short-term punt, is because he's on four yellow cards, and one yellow card away from missing that Uh, norwich game that we really want him for um and a lot of people are saying uh he's a short-term punt and yes he is and a lot of people said that we should have got him last week but he didn't score last week so pros wouldn't you say that it's okay to hop on him for three game weeks now yeah i would
1: i mean i think Mm -hmm. uh, the yellow card thing is good to have in the back of our mind but we sometimes forget that players also know this so uh, I don't know if you played Sonaldo during the, the Costa season, uh, the, the Chelsea forward. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was this very, uh, this exact situation where through the whole December period, he was on four yellows. Nobody got him. He kept scoring, <laughs> scoring, scoring. Mm-hmm. And essentially every game people said, okay, next game's going to be the one when he gets his yellow. And he was basically that kind of player who who was aggressive. So he was always prone to a yellow card. But they didn't. And those people who had him or went for him, really profited so i i wouldn't use the yellow card as
0: a as a reason not to go for wilson i think is a great option fantastic so yeah, a couple things about Wilson. Wilson is a goal poacher, right? And he, this was evident in the image I have above at um, I think a minute forty-two, about thirty seconds, where he basically was a yard away from scoring. So again, this is the uh, highs and lows of FPL. Uh, this could have easily been a, a goal for for Wilson. Um, so he may be a frustrating figure because he does very little throughout the game. Um, but again, that's what a striker usually does, right? Um, but the standout moment for me uh, in terms of Wilson was at the very end when ASM um, kind of scored the equalizer and he was doing the the flip celebration. Wilson was busy getting the goal out of the box, moving to the center line, and trying to get the winner. So uh, just a winner's mentality and and someone who's hungry for goals, and we love that as an FPL option. Um, quickly on Newcastle, their overall strategy right now is that they're very reliant on individual talent. Um, you know, right now there's some cohesion, but uh, it's on in small areas of the pitch. I thought that um, I say Maximum and, and Richie were on an island on the left flank by themselves. And there was a lot of heavy attack from the right flank. Um, so with that being said, ASM would be another great option. But um, a friend of mine on Twitter, FPLTT, he, he's a huge uh, you know, Newcastle fan, um, gave me some insight saying that ASM is definitely more of a assist threat than a goal threat and uh but with that being said when Howe has come in they've been practicing this kind of back post run with ASM where he scored so that may you know become a play for him and and with the new manager bounce plus these new tactics involved in attacking style of play I feel like both these options are pretty decent the difference for me is is Wilson being on pens um and lastly quick shout out to Joe I know you don't like Joe Lington for us but not me uh, and nothing against him He's just used- <laughs> Yeah, but you know, I, I don't think he's a good FPL option. Uh, we need further proof of his, uh, you know, kind of consistency. But Jolington definitely had the best game of for the club, and I, I thought the difference was he played a little deeper. He's actually pretty good at getting past his first man. It's just uh, uh after he does that, you know, he has him so far on the left, and and um, you know, uh, Wilson is man marked out of the game, so it's very difficult for him to kind of create and and attack more. So. Um, you know, quick overview of um, Newcastle there. And to summarize, Wilson would be my pick of the bunch. H- how about yourself? Um, you know, I know there's only three game weeks, but as a short term punt, wouldn't you be pretty excited with them? I would for
1: sure. I mm. mean, this again, ASM and Wilson are the two guys who should stay in this team. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Fraser will come back at some point. Eddie Howe loves him, uh, but Wilson will be there and he, he, um, he got so many shots in as well this week right um uh, he was one of the highest or highest shots in the box he's he's a he's a good guy he's a good pick he's always been good when he's been fit so uh, now even under a more attacking manager for me he's a very good option if the fixtures weren't so bad after three weeks it almost feels like uh you get on him and then you have to get out after because they have leicester liverpool man city man united everton everton not so difficult but uh Norwich and Burnley in the next uh, two out of the next three is, is actually very good. So I, I wouldn't fault anyone to, when you ask me the question on what I'm doing. One of the things I was considering was Antonio to Wilson.
0: Yeah. Uh, again, he has five shots in the box, which is the most in, in game week 12. Yeah. So I, I, get, I definitely think he's going to score in the next uh, three games. So mm, very, very good option, in my opinion. So the second uh, second team I briefly want to cover is Aston Villa. But the reason I'm briefly covering him because uh, their fixtures are really bad for the next six seven game weeks. But um, I, I definitely want to keep an eye on Aston Villa, especially with Gerrard coming in. Um, In some ways, we're lucky because we have six or seven game weeks to kind of assess their assets and and see how they develop as a team. And, you know, Jared, I'm sure we'll have enough time to kind of, you know, implement his colors into this team. So uh, their finished product should be coming when their fixtures are actually going to turn soon. Um so after the after the game Jared came out and said uh these are the buzzes you miss as a player this this is the reason I wanted to stay in the game it's my medicine if you will I love winning I love competing I love seeing my players happy and smiling so you know that just when your coach says that you must feel an, an you know Umph of energy and wanting to do well for your coach, right? So I thought that was a very good sign. Um If you look at their lineup, they played a four-three-two-one. I, I know this visual doesn't show it, and McGinn was playing absolutely baller status. I mean, he was making some incredible long long balls. Um and, you know, even even if you catch the highlight, it was like McKinn all first first half. So, uh, you know, shout out to McKinn there, but the front three of Watkins, Ings and buendia kind of struggled to find chemistry. Uh they were happy to sit back and counter, and they only had 37% uh, possession. Ings had zero shots and eighteen touches in his first seventy under seventy minutes, so that's a very worrying sign. Uh, I feel like Ings has kind of struggled to kind of you know fit into the Aston Villa team this season so far. Uh, Bendio was subbed off, so there's some rotation there. And um, you know the way you want to think about Aston Villa is that they're kind of a light Liverpool version, would you say? And Bendia and Watkins like the inside forward Mane Sala type of, of you know play. And uh, the one to keep on uh, an eye on is Watkins with his individual uh, brilliant goal over the weekend. So, uh, any thoughts on on Aston Villa? Um, I mean, first thing to
1: say is uh, Tom Freeman, who's a Villa fan, uh, did an excellent article on this uh, on the Scout on how what his thinking was in terms of the first game. So, agree with everything you've said there. Mm. I would just say Watkins is good. Uh, numbers basically came in. A lot of the good numbers came in after he moved to the central position again. So while he, you know, he does thrive on the wing as well, a lot of the good work he did and the attacking threat came after he moved and he replaced Ings uh, as the furthest forward. But I think to summarize, Villa very interesting. Um, possibly, I'm more interested in their in their defenders or their wing backs um, because I think one of the things that Gerard will bring is defensive solidity. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I can see myself definitely going for a wing back in the, you know, Matty Cash, possibly um, in the future. But in terms of attack, uh, Watkins is interesting. I think even the midfielders, whoever out of Buendia, Bailey can basically nail that right hand forward position.
0: That should be very interesting as well. Fantastic. And then the next is Crystal Palace. And I'm just going to talk about Benteke in this section uh, because you did cover Gallagher very well. Um, so what we have here is uh, Benteke's shots. I, this is the last four game week. Shots uh, you know, taken, which is all inside the box and central. And his heat map, which is also very uh, central. So it just goes to show that he's playing the classic forward position and shooting from the right places, which is very promising. Um, so there, again, as you mentioned, pros previously, there's so many attacking options um, and they're really stacked up there. So it's very difficult to pick out, you know, who's going to get the goals, but you would assume as the, uh, you know, the number nine that um, Benteki should be the one getting the bulk of him. Um, so I think short term, he looks pretty good because he's in form. Um, if continue to play, I think he's also a great option because their fixtures are very, very good. Um so if you look at uh Ted's graph here, um, hold on. Ted talks FPL, um, which I did a show with him on Monday with um and I really enjoyed talking to Ted. But you can see Benteke is right up there inside the 12-yard box, and his shot volume is very, very large, plus on top of that, which is 18 shots uh, in the last six game weeks, and uh, a lot of him is on target. So you know sometimes you can assume that okay they're they're making good shots but it's also because he's just right in the good position very close to the target um so I, I really like these these stats and very promising signs for benteke um crystal palace also has created 14 chances from the center um which is 35% and that's a good sign because as as, as i showed you in that shot volume chart he's shooting from the center uh mostly in game week 12 crystal palace created 57% of their chances Uh, which is eight chances from the center, which is another very promising sign for your central striker. With his ability in the air, his nice off-ball movements, which he's very underrated at. um, He really does make great uh, off-ball movements, in my opinion. And and his link-up play that's shown in Game Week 12 and the fixture run, uh, I mean, he definitely needs to come into consideration, in my opinion. But any thoughts on Benteke? Um, look, I, nothing to add in terms of what I said about the
1: lineup, and and he he should retain his place. Again, I was talking to some Palace fans. He should stay um, stay there until Eze is completely back. I know Edward is the one who will replace him, but then Eze will move to the right. So he should continue to play. He's look, he's always a great option. But you just he's he's one of those players which you just watch and say, yeah, he's a great option, but you never go <laughs> for him uh, because you just never know if he's if he's nailed or if he continues yeah. this this form. But. Somebody went for him. That's completely fine. I mean, it's a good punt.
0: Yeah. I mean, I guess. I guess again, I'm I'm talking about him as an emerging asset, but I'm not really sure if I would bring him into my team. So, um, you know, I, I would tread lightly with my analysis here. But um, yeah, moving on. Last two would be Watford and and um, our guy Timo Pukki. But quick word on Watford. Um, I think the guy you need to go for is uh, Joshua King. Um, I know people are talking about. Um, uh, Dennis as well but uh, Dennis has um, some issues in my opinion and why King uh, you know what I have up here is his J- XG and um, you know gold temps in the last four game weeks which are all promising um, you know Joshua King is one of those players that is performing to the level that he should be in terms of his uh, XG and XGI so um, he's not overperforming he's not underperforming he's giving you what you want out of him um, and King looks good because he's also probably going to be on pens after Sar missed both both the pens over over the weekend. Um, King, Joshua King, is also top of XGI. I know you love your XGI, Pros. in the last four game weeks of the entire league. And um, my good friend, uh, FPL Bruno, was super bullish on joshua king in game week i think six or seven made me get him in and then i sold him like right before my wild card and then he you know went on to score two or three goals um and so he's pushing me again to get joshua king so i'm i may listen to my friend here and and get him in dennis is very cheap at 5.2 but i'm not sure how nailed he is and um i'm sure you would concur um he had a sub appearance in the last four game weeks and i know he's up there in terms of four points in the last four game weeks but uh, King is playing consistently 90 minutes. Uh, Dennis is also playing wider than King. And I think uh, Dennis is probably going to go to the AFCON with Nigeria as well, which is um, you know worrying, worrying sign, would, uh, and it's coming up soon, right? Um, so for me, King is the the goal threat, the nailness, the long-term hold. Um, I know they have Man City and Chelsea in the next three, but if you can get him in early and bench him as your kind of enabler, uh, then fixtures from 16 to 23, I looked, is really, really nice moving forward. So... Uh, you know, King versus Dennis, any thoughts on that, Pross? Uh,
1: I think you covered everything. I, I think just a note on AFCON. Uh, so usually Dennis isn't called up by Nigeria. He hasn't been called up for the last two, three years. But um, basically, Oseman has is injured. And, and basically, a lot of the media is calling for Dennis to be called up as his replacement. So that's, okay. that's where the AFCON stuff comes in. And by the way, this also applies to Corne, who I forgot to mention, mm. might also be going to AFCON. Uh, so these, this is just one thing to remember. It may be just a couple of game weeks, maybe three that they miss, but it's another thing that you want, don't want to be worrying about. Um, and w- one word also Seb pointed out in Scoutcast yesterday, King's numbers are, are looking great, but they're also, a lot of them are driven by the last game against Man United. Mm. So we have to be a little bit cautious on looking at it. Uh, it is It does have a little bit of noise from one good game week, uh, but generally <laughs> he's been good. He's a good option. I don't want to overplay king as an option i mean it's still watford so um but if you're looking at somebody um i think king is better than dennis
0: fantastic lastly our guy timo puki um and uh yesterday i was listening to uh the wire and um our friend uh late riser was very bullish on timo puki so uh that's always a good sign when a top manager like himself is uh uh, high on him so uh, new manager bounce came into effect with Dean Smith. Um, you know Norwich looked quite dull in the first half, but they looked more lively in the second. Uh, his heat map from the last two game weeks show very promising signs. Uh, he's inside the eighteen yard box quite a bit, like a striker should be. Pookie is Pookie, and um, you know he's in the best form of the season so far. Um, he scored back to back goals, so. Um, there's the signs are pointing there and they have good fixtures second in the ticker until the international break so a very good long-term hold you don't have to start him every week and you kind of play him for his fixtures right and a key aspect to consider for puki is that he performs way better at home actually than away um so that's something you can also consider just playing him in the home games um, this season at home he's had six shots on target and four big chances he has had good underlying numbers too and has had 11 shots in the box which is uh the second uh, which is double more than the second uh in the Norwich team which just shows the importance of of Timo Puki when Norwich do score even though their s- the scoring volume is very low um, so it just highlights the importance of him as the talisman and also he's on penalties. So um, for, until game week 24, they have 12 fixtures and um, that's only six at home. So half of them are at home, which again, I'm very bullish on Timo Buki doing much better at home uh, due to the you know historical data shown this season. Again, new manager bounce is in effect right now. So I think as a long-term hold, he could be a very, very valuable option as your 11th, 12th, 13th man in the team. Um, so that's pretty much it for me um, in terms of the strikers. I know we went, went on for a while there. Um, but to quickly summarize, um, again, you should definitely move towards those already proven assets and, and the template players, as we mentioned. And I guess we could talk about Chilwa a little bit here. Um, there's a lot of uh, fixtures, swings coming up, fixture changes coming up. The landscape of FPL and the Premier League has changed. So uh, while your team may be strong, do not be afraid to look for these differentials and these emerging options, because this is really where you can gain some rank, especially if your uh, team is very template. Um, so with that being said, um, before we go on to our plans, let's give me a give me a something about Chillwall. What do you think about what to do with him? And, and, um, you know, we will wait for the news conference Pros. but any thoughts on Chillwall? Yeah, um, very topical.
1: So good. We, we, we included this as our third topic. Mm-hmm. Look, I think uh, he's going to be out for the earliest I've heard on, on Twitter is two to four weeks. The latest is very, very long term. So he's going to be out and, and two to four weeks basically means four to eight game weeks. Mm. So, you know, you need to get him out if you have him in your team, but of course, wait for the press conference on Friday. So I'm not suggesting you do it right away, but you know you need to make plans to get him out if you don't uh, if you have him and the way i've thought about it is there's a couple of considerations here if you're looking for somebody longer term then and if you don't have trent james or cancello in this order then i would replace them with uh, chilwell with with one of the three Mm. if you have all three and you're looking for somebody else then for me the question is between chilwell's replacement which is Alonso. Or a uh, you know a Spurs Spurs wing back, let's say Reguilón. So between Reguilón and Alonso, for me, it's a no-brainer. Uh, Alonso is the better pick. Uh, you know he does he's had great stats f- for years. I mean anyone who's been playing FPL for five years knows who what Alonso is. Uh, and that's when a lot of the times he wasn't he was playing in a back four. This is a back five which basically suits him perfectly. So for me, he's uh, we'll come to our teams, but. Uh, if Chilwell is out for anything more than two, three weeks, then that's the transfer I go for. But I I, I repeat, if somebody doesn't have uh, Trent, James, or Concello, I'd rather prioritize those three because that's more longer term. Alonso, you'll need to, again, ship him out after eight to ten weeks, whatever it is, uh, game weeks, depending on Chilwell's injury. With James, Concello, and, and Trent, you know that you have them for the season, hopefully, if uh, barring any injuries. So that's my thought. I think the other thing people are thinking about is, if somebody doesn't have James or Alonso, can they go Alonso instead of James? I personally wouldn't wouldn't recommend it. And let me tell, let me talk about the pros and cons. The rationale for people saying this is because James has played the last two games. Uh, Thomas Tuchel basically said in the game he was looking to sub James out, hmm. and uh, you know that's why Aspi played instead of Chilwell. Actually, uh, he you know he didn't intend for Aspie to play on the left, but he wanted to give James a rest. So. It's coming, right? I mean, if you expect James to play against Man United, the fixture that he'll get the rest is the midweek game against Watford. So that's because the, the week after they play West Ham and then after that they play the Champions League game, which is still important, uh, the Zenit game, for Chelsea to finish top of the group. So mm. long story short, just because he may miss Watford, for me, isn't a big enough reason to go Alonso over James. For me, James is still the more superior pick. Uh, so if you can get to him, uh, because he is a little bit more expensive,
0: I would go for him over Alonso.
1: This is just, uh, you know, this is all in the last 12 hours. So um, just some quick thoughts on this.
0: Perfect. I I think you covered it uh, perfectly well. And uh, let's go to our teams. But my final question before we go there is between the strikers that I mentioned, uh, give me your, I I know I'm putting you on the spot. Give me your top maybe two or three uh, in order. Uh, Wilson, number one. King, number two. Mm
1: -hmm. uh, Pookie, number three. Okay. But of course, these are different prices. But uh, in yeah. terms of how I expect, absent of price, these strikers to do over the next three, five game weeks, it, it will be this.
0: Perfect. OK, I know uh, we're getting close to the hour mark, so uh, we'll wrap it up here. I have your team up here, Pross. Um Can you talk us through your plans?
1: Yeah, so for the listeners, I have Ramsdale in goal, uh, Trent, Chilwell, James, and Cancelo. Salah, Foden, Sun, and Jota in midfield. Tony and Antonio in attack. Now, Antonio obviously plays Man City, so I had three options. Uh, I uh, I could have rolled. I could have gone Antonio to Wilson, as I mentioned. And I was looking at the very super aggressive move of Sun and Antonio to Gallagher and Kane. Um, so, And and this Sun to Kane move would have only been if I had seen on Thursday again, that Sun being less involved. We haven't talked about Spurs in this one, but I wasn't very impressed with how Sun was mm-hmm. uh, in that game. So. I'm looking at moving Sun to Kane if I don't see an improvement and I'm not gonna be afraid of doing that. But mm. I think for this game, now that there are other problems, uh, what I'll be doing is Chilwell to Alonso, 99%. Uh, if Tuchel says that Alonso is, uh, Chilwell was okay, he just landed badly or whatever, he'll be back in a week, then I might just keep Chilwell and and uh, do Antonio to uh, to Wilson
0: Nice. and all Captain all... Salah, of course. Yeah. Oh, wow. I I didn't know you were going to make the Wolves move. Very aggressive, and I like it. Mm. Okay, so I have my team up here. Very, very similar teams. Uh, The difference between Kane and Son, and I also have Mbumo. Um, I have him on the bench, um, you know, playing a 4-3-3 for now. Chilwell is likely to be injured, so... um, yeah, I like that Alonso move. Maybe I'm going to copy it off you. But, uh, you know, I'm looking at right, that. Everyone, a lot of people will be doing that. So you shouldn't yeah. be shy to do it.
1: I mean, you didn't have anything to do with your two free transfers. This is actually I for know, you. I know, I <laughs> know. A, a good, uh, but look, I mean, my recommendation to you would be, you don't have to go Alonso. You can also think about, because you have so many transfers, right? I mean, yeah. you have three in the next two weeks, mm-hmm. um, if you think about it, or, or three before the next game week map out your team on what you want to do. Do you want uh, Antonio in three weeks? If you want him, then maybe getting some funds out of the fourth defender may be better. So, I mean, it's an advice to anyone listening um, is just make your team for when you want a certain player. Maybe in game week 15, we want Ronaldo, Antonio. So get those players in, see then what does that mean for you to change Chilwell into what? It could be Lampty. it could be, um, you know, somebody else.
0: Or if if you can go Alonzo, I think he's the best option in your setup. No, that's uh, fantastic uh, advice because I was actually doing that um, previous to our recording today because I really want to somehow get Antonio in, um, but it's quite difficult. I I don't know who to drop, and, and so it's something again, I, I said I'm going to burn my transfer, but likely not. And I, I, I think that's a good idea to think that I actually have three or four transfers to get to Antonio. So I will do that long-term planning. Um, you know, before the Chobal injury, I was even thinking about dropping Livermento to uh, Ben Johnson. Um, I don't know, you, you might be against it, but it, it would have created some I prefer, points. Uh-huh. I ahead. prefer Ben Davis
1: for that price or okay. 8 Nuri, but 8 Nuri has very bad fixtures in the foreseeable future. But uh, yeah, and I also like Mitchell uh, from yeah, Christian yeah. Palace.
0: You're, you're afraid of the Kufal coming in, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's mm-hmm. the issue. Yeah. But um, yeah, last question. Do you think Mbumo to Gallagher makes sense here?
1: Um, I wouldn't do it for the second transfer because you don't need mm-hmm. to play him, right? I don't need to play
0: him, no. Mm-hmm.
1: So I would just do one, uh, which is Chilwell to Alonso or whoever, and mm-hmm. just keep... By the way, Mbumo, I would play him over Huang. I mean, I know Wang is your boy, and, you know, I mean, just do look at him over the last couple of weeks. I think he's been hugging the touchline a lot. Um, Norwich isn't the same Norwich. Um, I I keep warning people that we keep thinking of Norwich like the Daniel Fark Norwich. It's Dean Smith Norwich. Mm -hmm. They'll be a lot more solid. What for, you know, sorry, um, Wolves don't score too many goals. Everton have been conceding a lot of shots. Uh, a lot of chances. I know we've been burnt by Mumu and Tony. So, yeah, if you wanted to, let's say, go to Gallagher and play him instead of Huang, then maybe. Uh, but, yeah, there's some options here. But, you know, you're, you're like, these are luxury moves. People are here <laughs> firefighting how to get Jota, Foden, James, yeah, Cancelo. Yeah. Uh, here you are thinking about, you know, Mbumo
0: to Gallagher you know fair play well done good team yeah yeah you're too I uh, appreciate it yeah I, I do agree um Mbumo's matchup here is very good and Huang has been you know playing so wide and and quite disappointing the last few game weeks but I the reason I have him in my lineup is he's my boy and when am I ever gonna have an opportunity to play him the rest of the season because I know I'm shipping him out in two weeks so um, that was my reasoning here but things will change drastically in the next few few days so um, Indeed. Indeed. Let's wrap it up here, Pross. Um, quick shout out to Prakash who really helped me with these visuals today. So I appreciate it. Um, but guys, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, the Burning Question series has gotten a lot of love and we really appreciate your kindness and and uh, you know uh, support. And um, Pros, it's been a pleasure again. Um, any final words and then we'll wrap it up. No, likewise, it's been a pleasure. Thank you everyone for listening
1: and uh, good luck for your, uh, we're we're heading into the real real time of uh, fantasy football where you have games every other day and, you know, new information coming in. So, you know, just stay clued on and best of luck. Yep. Good luck, guys. Thank you.